This is Alexander the Great Hernandez. You listen to MMA Wreckage Radio. Welcome to the 36th episode of MMA Records Radio. If my fucking memory serves me correct, it's the 36th episode of MMA Records Radio. We have an action-packed show for you guys. We have two guests. We have Jason Suarez going to be joining us later. We also have Nadia Cassim, who has some information on her next bout, which should be taking place in Australia. Also, me and Wally Wall are going to be breaking down at UFC 240, what the aftermath of all that was, the main event, the great co-main event that I believe should have went at five rounds, but we'll get into that a lot later, the great fight between Jeff Neal and Nico Price, so at least the amazing first round, then me and Wally Wall are going to break down, one of his favorite fighters is actually main eventing this one, UFC on ESPN 6, Colby Covington is coming back to take on Robbie Lawler, the former welterweight champion. And definitely if, I mean, Colby gets through Robbie, there's no mistaking that he's the number one contender for Kamara Usman. I'm super excited about these fights coming up. Wally Wall, how you doing, man? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm so excited about that fight, brother. I know, man. You've been waiting for a long time. I mean, if you guys listen to this show at all, you hear me and Waleed go back and forth. I'm a huge Usman fan. He's a huge fucking Colby Covington fan. So hopefully Covington can get through this test on Saturday and uh, we see Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington later on down the road. That's a dream fight. That's the the dream fight for us. Like for real. Like if you ask us for Habib against GSP or this fight, I think we I think we would choose this fight. I just feel like the build up, the hype between them two. There's so much to a backstory already. Uh, if you ask Usman, he's signed on the dotted line at more than four times to fight Colby, and Colby's backed out every single time. Now this Colby Covington fight this weekend, guys, is going to be starting a little early here on the West Coast. I believe the main card starts at like noon. I like these cards starting earlier. I don't mind it, you know what I mean? Because usually uh, late Saturday night, I'm trying to, you know, barbecue something up for the kids. So I miss, uh, you know, part of the fights here and there. But I, I usually try to keep it on my phone next to the grill at least so I have something to watch. But uh, at least these, I'll get them all done before shit, 4 o'clock. Yeah, and I don't know if it would be a good time for me, like for people who don't live in the U.S. But I think it will be better. It should be like it should, it, it, I think that it will start at 10 p.m. or maybe like the the early prelims will start at 10 p.m. maybe so that's good for me. Outside of the main card, is there anything that you particularly have your eye on that really makes you excited for this card coming up? This one, like for me, it's all about the main event. Like for real, for me, it's all about the main event. It's all about Colby, and you know, with with everything that's that people are putting on Twitter right now about like the the Trump family coming to the fights and stuff like that. So this fight is really huge, you know. I really feel that this this fight is huge. People don't get how much this fight is huge. 
Yeah. It's a huge factor. Donald Trump Jr. is supposed to be coming there with his brother. I forgot the brother's name. Pardon me, Mr. Fucking Trump. Don't kill me. Uh, but one fight that I'm super excited for is uh, Jordan Espinosa versus Matt Snell. It's actually the very first fight of the night. We'll get into a lot later, but I have my eye on both those gentlemen. Matt Schmill used to be on MTV. If you remember, there used to be an MTV show about MMA fighters back in the day. Way back in the day. Yeah. When they were like amateurs. It, uh, yeah. I'll have to look it up sometime later, and you guys have to check it out. It, it, it's a pretty funny show. Yeah. Wait. Because I remember there's an MMA show on was on MTV. Yes. Like if you had, there's a bully, there's a bully, and you know they bring the bully. Like Miller was the was no, the host okay, of the show. Okay, not that one, not that one. This was like a reality TV Damn. show. This was like no, where, where they they were like following these kids that were trying to be MMA fighters. One kid was like training in the backyard, but Matt Schnell was like the best one out of them all. You could tell that he really had the potential and the drive to keep going. And then obviously, as you see, years later, Matt Schnell has you know made himself into a UFC fighter. So I mean, hats off to him. Obviously, he had that drive and he just kept pushing and he he took it all away. I remember this one. I don't know why, like, it was kind of weird, you know why? Because at that point, I wasn't really an MMA fan, because I was very young. Like, I was, like, I liked MMA, but I was, like, a huge fan. Uh, but I used to watch on MTV Germany. Like, I was watching it on in German. Why? I don't know how, why the fuck I was watching <laughs> it on Germ in German, but I was watching it in German. I was watching, like, like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Those guys are crazy. Like I, I used to love the show, and I used, of course, to love the the Mayhem show when he when he brings up the bully and he fights against DC or yes. some other fighter like that. The Matt Schnell show is called Caged. It was an MTV reality television yes. series, a show focused on four prospect MMA fighters in a small town of Louisiana, and obviously, you know, Schnell was one of the two guys who later had a professional or fought professionally. Uh, he's the only one that made it to the UFC, though. Yeah. Tough, tough road, you know. No, I mean, for sure, he came through the Ultimate Fighter Tournament of Champions. That was the yeah. first. He was the L uh, LFC champion, Legacy Fighting Championship. We, we had some good fighters that can come out from, like, weird shows. Like, when you see that, when you see, like, Jorge Masvidal come out, like, from the streets... Like literally, yeah. Was, I mean, you could go look him up in Google and see him in some of the fights with Kimbo Slice back in the day. Jorge Masvidal is a G, and it's funny to see those guys really hone their crafts and you know put it into making money instead of just going out there and just boxing people for free. It's amazing, brother. It's a dream come true for them. It's amazing. No, for sure. But uh, we're gonna cut this right to a quick breakdown after a quick station identification so stay tuned you're listening to some more mma wreckage radio my name is jillian robertson and you're listening to mma wreckage radio wally wall and i are back to recap ufc 240 it was a great night in canada if you ask me wally wall was a little disappointed with it but we'll get into that a little later um all in all i thought it was a pretty good card Obviously, Max walked out victorious. Cyborg and Felice Spencer, I think, was a great fight. I think Felice Spencer opened up a lot of eyes. We'll get into all that a lot later. 
Uh, let's start with the very first fight of the night, though. Eric Koch went out there and uh, showed that he is a fucking wrecking ball at welterweight. Can you believe that Eric Koch used to fucking fight at featherweight and he was at one time supposed to fight Jose Aldo? Uh, sometimes it's weird because people get can get really low with the with weight with weight cut with the with the right diet. So I can't. Yeah, I for me it's, it's weird that he's fighting the that way. And weight, he but I don't did know. it. He did it when he was really young too. So that helps. Yeah, but Eric Cott, he, he defeated Kyle Stewart by unanimous decision. He showed that his wrestling was dominant. He also showed that he can stand and bang with the welterweights. I mean, I thought he looked very good. Yeah, yeah I did. I did too. I did so too. And uh, about that, what do you think about fighters that cut cutting weight way too much? I don't think people should do it. I mean, I listened to Eric Koch on uh, the Ariel Hawani show, and he was talking about fighters should not be cutting weight at all. It was actually some advice that his dad gave him before he passed away. And uh, he ended up having a little like moment in the cage where he was just kind of laughing because he won the fight without cutting any weight. And it's kind of what his dad had been telling him to do the whole time. So do you think it's a good thing what they are doing right now at one championship when, I don't know, they, they measure the level of water you have in your body and stuff like that? From what I understand, there's still some sort of weight cutting at the 1FC level. It's not as drastic yeah. as we see at UFC fights, obviously, because, I mean, I've talked to some guys who are like, yeah, I have came into fights 15, 20 pounds over, you know, week of and figured it out. Yeah. But, but yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I, I've always been a big proponent of you should fight at your own natural weight. I think that's what's best for everybody. Let's all figure out where you guys sit naturally and fight that way and figure out who's the best that way. One of the women who really wanted to stamp herself as the best, and especially one of the best flyweight competitors out there, Jillian Robertson, completely demolished Sarah Frado. It was a one-sided victory. She finished it by a second-round KO. Jillian Robertson is now the only woman in the flyweight division with four finishes. I mean, it's impressive what she's done so far in the UFC in her short time being there she's only had four fights yeah i agree with you like having so much finishes as with female flyweights i'm not saying that they are like but you know what i mean having finishes is not easy so she yeah. has, she has what do you say fourth 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 the, four finishes? this was her the, yeah this was her fourth finish and this was her fifth fight yeah so come on that's pretty <laughs> That's pretty amazing, and I don't know, but did did she have? I think she have a, a fight scheduled right now. Yes, she actually is going to be fighting Macy Barber. The future and her, oh, and yeah. Julian Robertson are going to be fighting in Boston, bro. That's a great fucking fight. I love this fight. That's yes. a great fight. That's yes. a huge fight. That's a huge fight. Yeah, we will have Julian Robertson on fight week for that fight. We'll have her come back. We'll discuss everything that went on in this fight, plus her upcoming battle with Micey Barber to really solidify herself as the new young gun here to stay in this women's flyweight division. Yeah, I love, I love, I love this fight. I love everything about this, this fight.
Now, one fight that I was in love with, Alexander uh, Alexandra Pantoja versus Davison Figueroa. Figueroa had the unanimous decision. It was a great flyweight fight. I mean, back and forth, those two just slugged it out. It was a good old classic barn burner, like Jr. would say. Yeah, one uh, a slobber knocker. A slobber knocker. It's it's one of the rare flyweights we are ha fights we are having right now in the male in the male division. But they're really so bringing the flyweight division back, I believe. Yeah. So you think like is it, was it? Do you think we need to have more flyweight fights or what oh, do you think? Oh, what yeah. do you think? That was an that was division? an amazing fight between those two, and it just shows you the type of athletes we have in the men's flyweight division and I just showed you that they need to keep this division alive. I know Henry Cejudo has both the Bantamweight and the flyweight title at this point, but I really feel like flyweight has a great future and it can survive with or without Henry. I agree with you. I really agree with you. Now, the next fight, featherweight Gavin Tucker took on Sung Woo Chu and Tucker won by a third round submission. Uh, it was a very nice submission by Tucker. I mean, at this point, I don't know what's going to stop Gavin Tucker. He's looked very impressive since joining the UFC. Yeah, and, uh, you know, having that kind of finishes is always good for you. So because, you know, at this point, if you want to climb the ladder really fast, you need finishes. You either need quick ones or late ones. Who cares? You need finishes. People don't follow you if you only have decision points. I don't know why, but it is what it is. And uh, yeah, having this this finish like with some with that good submission is good for him. So do you think like he's he will climb the ladder really fast in the featherweight division, or what do you think? What's next for him? Like, it all just depends on how everything works out at the top. I mean, who's gonna get the next shot? Is it Alexander Volkanovski for sure? Like, is that for sure the next shot? Like. Where do we keep going? I mean, I so. Gavin Tucker's rear naked choke looked very, very good. I don't know who you put him up against next, though. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. I don't know, but do do you want him to fight like? Uh, do you, how ranked do you want his next opponent? Or you want to be? Like, do you want someone from the top five? I think, top ten, no, no. I think he, right now, honestly, we should be looking at somebody between that 15 to 20 range. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that would be what's best for him. You don't push him too soon, and we keep him going. One guy, I think, is another great uh, featherweight, Hakim Duwadu. I mean, Yushinari Hori, yeah. those two put on a fucking classic. I thought it was one of the best fights of the night. Uh, Akeem Dewadu got the huge knockout in the third round. I mean, that leg kick came out of nowhere. Akeem has really like solidified himself as another African here to stay in this featherweight division. Has another prospect. Keep coming. Yeah, and what what a good name, Hakeem Dewadu. Like you know, it's 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 a friendly name. Yeah. I like this name. Like, it, yeah, it's not. It's easy to remember his name. No, for sure. I mean, it, outside of the fact that he just looks so mad all the damn time, he's a very, uh, a very good guy to watch. I love watching him personally. He, he killed it out there. I thought it was one of the better performances of the night. You've seen the way that 
he was he welcomed the brawl from Hori. He didn't shy away from it. He welcomed it. He capitalized when he could. He got out when he had to. I mean, it just looked completely a flawless performance, if you ask me. Do you think if we didn't have the Nico Price fight, this would have been the the fight of the night? Oh yeah, easily, easily. Another yeah. good performance. Viviana Arroyo defeated Alex Davis. I mean, Alexis Davis, every single time she's out there in Canada, she puts on a hell of a performance, but this time she came up short. Uh, Viviana looked good in the unanimous decision. It was the last fight of the prelims, but I feel like it was a little lackluster to stack up. up next to, I mean, if you go these next two fights, I feel like this, this fight and the Christoph Joko fight was really like the slow points of the fucking entire card. I don't know if that was because the fact that the Wadu knockout was so good that we were on such a high that these two fights just weren't that great. But in my eyes, I feel like if you have any problems with that card, you look at these two fights in particular. Till, the, till this fight, like how many Canadian fought and how many Canadian won? Uh, I don't think she lost. I don't think any Canadian. Oh, oh, Jillian. Jillian's a Canadian. Yeah. So yeah. So it's one and one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. If I'm not wrong. Yeah. So we're gonna. Jocko won by split decision. Uh, Viviana won by unanimous decision. Yeah. The one fight I want to talk about was the lightweight fight between Armand Sarkusian. Against Olivier Aubon Mercier, uh, Sarkeesian won by unanimous decision. You can tell that his striking is just completely above OAMs, just on a different level. His wrestling also was very good. He was able to show his wrestling a little more. I think that with his last fight against Islam Makachev, that he wasn't able to utilize his wrestling and show what he's able to do with it because Makachev is so good. But with somebody at the level of OAM who is also a very good grappler, I'm not saying that he's not he's not quite on the level of what Makachev brings when it comes to Sambo, but Armand yeah. completely controlled OAM on the ground, and it just showed that his wrestling is on another level. Maybe not elite, but you. it's on another level. Yeah, Armand looked good. Like I think that's... The the only problem he will have is that the the lightweight division is really stacked. Like yes. We have so much big names. Yeah, I think like if it was I don't know, let's say I don't know a featherweight or a bantamweight. That I think was, he, he that was going to be my back. next question. He doesn't look like a very big lightweight. I don't know how much weight he cuts. I don't know what he looks like outside of camp. But I would be interested to see what he's weighed in the past couple times and possibly see if he could go down to featherweight. Yeah, because you know, at some point in the lightweight division, you have some killers like the uh, some Barbosas, the one through fifteen. There's just fucking killers. Yeah, those are really like killers. Like for real, those guys can beat the number one guy. Like I know it's Habib or Connor, but they have chance. They have their chance. We don't have that in every division. Well, I mean, you've seen that. But you've seen what think, Al was able to do against yeah. Khabib. Al put on a great showing against Khabib. In the welterweight yeah, so, division, too, is also the same. I mean, any of those guys can go in at any yeah. day that we can take out another one. I mean, you've seen what Jorge Masvidal went in there against arguably two of the best contenders that we've seen in the past couple of years when it comes to Till and Askren. He took them both out. Literally took them both. He baptized them, from what he says. 
street, yeah. street Jesus, yeah. giving some street justice. Yeah, and the next fight in this card, like it was a, a, a huge welterweight fight. It was a barn burner. Jeff, Neil, and Nico Price. I said it before the card, guys. I said, watch out for this fight. It has fight of the night written all over it. And that was exactly what it was. It was fight of the night. It was a great fucking fight. Those two just put on a hell of a performance. One of the best first rounds that I've seen in a long time. I mean, Jeff Neal took some big shots from Nico Price. Same with Nico. We've always known Nico Price has a great chin, though. But we've really seen how Jeff Neal's chin is. He had to take a punch to get in there and give a punch or two because, I mean, Nico was just doing so well on the outside. Yeah, and at some points in this fight, you almost had a double double knockout. Yeah, uh, Neal said he got hit by, it was a headbutt. They headbutted each other. That would have been a, that would have guys, been, when I seen it out. when I seen it I was like oh shit the only reason that it was it didn't seem like it was a double knockout is because Nico was able to fall forward Yeah like it was kind of the same we saw between Fedor and Matt Mitrion Yes 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 exactly kind of, Yeah kind of Yeah kind of the same but I, I love Nico Price because he like he always brings the best out of him and out of his opponents. I hate seeing him seeing him lose, but uh, Jovnil, like he really looked very good in this fight, oh, and no, I, and I'm, he... I'm really like excited about what what what's next for him. I'm really excited. Okay, okay, okay. Hear me out. I... Hear me out. I know it's going to be a huge leap, and I, I just love the idea of the matchup, though. If why not Kevin Lee versus Jeff Neal? I like I like these fights because Kevin Lee needs a fight against someone ranked lower than him. I think he's lower than him. Uh, he would definitely be. And Jeff Neal could have a good win if he beats Kevin Lee. I mean, that's a nice name. Yeah. Whoo! Thinking about that fight just gives me fucking fireworks, man. Another fight where yeah. I, I I had okay expectations and this one far succeeded it. Felice Spencer went in there and put on a hell of a performance against Cyborg. It was a unanimous victory for Cyborg. But let me fucking tell you, she did not earn it easy. It might say unanimous decision, but Felice Spencer gave her a beating. Did you see that gash on Cyborg's head? She had it opened up on Instagram. She yeah. was shown. You could see her fucking skull, bro. It was crazy. The gnarliest thing I've ever like seen, from, especially from Cyborg. She doesn't ever get cut like that. But, I mean, that, that's one that she'll forever have. She said that it was her first cut ever when she put that video on Insta- on YouTube of her talking to Dana White. It was her first cut in her professional career, I believe, which yeah. is crazy at this point. But I like I like how the, the way Felicia Spencer fought. But I don't know. I think people just because she, you know, B- Cyborg was bleeding. People wanted to believe that Spencer is going to win, but if you watch the fight and you are really unbiased, like you, I don't know, like you don't want, kind of people wanted to see Cyborg lose as always. I think that Cyborg controlled the fight. I really believe so. For sure. She definitely won. She won all three rounds, but um, look what I was saying, Felice Spencer gave a good showing. I don't think that she won a round or anything, but I think she definitely did a lot better than people expected her to do, especially against a veteran and a former featherweight champion in Chris Cyborg. 
at least you see that she's a top featherweight and we we didn't have top featherweights uh, in the females division no it really shows that you should develop that division yeah uh, yeah in that way i agree with you yeah i agree with you now to the main event max bless holloway has continued his throne as the greatest featherweight the ufc has by taking another veteran out, Frankie Edgar fell victim to unanimous decision victory over Max Holloway. And Holloway just showed that he is the best featherweight that we've seen in a long time. His reach is just too much for some of these guys. I can't. I, I really hope we get this Volkanovski fight in October. I really, really hope we do. I think that's the best matchup for him because Volkanovski is a bulldozer. Yeah. First, I want to talk about the uh, the judges' score because for me it was a clear fifty forty five. Uh, was it for you yes. like that? Or yeah, one hundred percent. I don't think Frankie Edgar won a round in the fight. Yeah. So the forty nine forty six was kind of weird, but the forty eight forty seven was one of the weirdest shit I ever saw. Yeah, I didn't understand. I did not understand that forty eight forty seven at all. Uh, Whoever the fuck was judging that, they need to stop smoking crack before they do judging and get the hell out of here. I mean, let's be serious. If you have what what round? Which round can you really make a really good case that Frankie Edgar won? You have no valid argument that he won any of the rounds. He was outstruck, I believe, in every single round. He didn't have all but one takedown out of like nineteen, I believe it was, one out of nineteen. So I, I don't know where anyone could be giving a round to Frankie Edgar. And some of those rounds were 10-8s. Yeah, I agree with you. And about that, because it was kind of frustrating watching Frankie Edgar. Like, it reminded me of how he lost to Jose Aldo in his second fight. Like, it was really frustrating. He didn't know how... Like, he didn't pull the trigger. He didn't do what he does best. And... And that was because maybe Holloway had a, a huge reach advantage and he knows how to use it. That's, that's, that's why he's that great. But other than that, I think that for real, that the real challenges that for Holloway are, are still coming up. Those challenges are the Zabit or uh, even Yair Rodriguez on a rematch against Ortega or, of course, Alexander the Great. But if fighters like Frankie, Aldo, Emmett or uh, like Emmett maybe not, but Jeremy Stevens or Cub Swanson, like those kind of old guys, I don't think they have a chance against him. I think the new blood will be like those guys will bring the best out of Holloway. I really think that. No, for sure. I mean, you've seen what he did to Brian Ortega. He dismantled him on the feet. It was a one-sided fucking ass beating. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, but I think that Ortega in that fight punched uh, Holloway way more than Frankie and Aldo did. I really think so. His boxing didn't look like it, it didn't look weak. It's just his gameplay wasn't that good. I think that Ortega, if he fights against Holloway, he would do way better. I really feel so because if if, if the fight goes to the ground, <laughs> good luck for Holloway. No, for sure, and that was what they said during the first fight and. I guess we'll see up next for Max Holloway is Alexander Volkanovsky. We don't know a date yet. Hopefully it'll be the co-main event for Robert Whittaker versus Israel Adesanya at Melbourne Stadium in Australia. But 
I guess we will wait and find out. As always. What do you think about Say it again. What do you think about uh, Alex making the weights? I think it's something that the UFC needs to do more often. If you remember the Darren Till versus um, Tyrone Woodley fight, Usman made weight also. Yeah, I remember that. So do you think it's good or bad? Or oh, you yeah. It, it, you should have a backup plan at all times, I think. you, Especially in this game, we've seen it happen day of. Uh, a couple hours before, we've seen it happen two weeks before, two days before. We've seen all kind of situations and scenarios. So why wouldn't you just be covered and have a backup plan? Yeah, I agree with you. You're right. And then it's like, you know, that person is for sure the next person up. I Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Like only like if, if he's injured or some stuff like that, maybe. But yeah, he's next. He should be next. No, for sure. But uh, we'll get into that much more later, guys. You're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. We're going to have a quick station identification. And then we're going to have an awesome interview with Jason Suarez. He's going to stop by and discuss what's next for him. So stay tuned. You're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. Hi, this is Alex Caceres, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy. And you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. Joining me at this time is uh, the king of the Titan FC featherweight fucking entire fight mansion. The completely undefeated 12-0 Jason Suarez. How you doing today, Jason? I'm good. Just to, like, fix you, I don't really care, but it's 13. Oh, 13. <laughs> Sorry. That's my yeah. fault. Uh, yeah. Tapology has that wrong. Yell at them to fix that. <laughs> How, uh, what's new? So you just won your last fight a couple months ago. Uh, you didn't obviously get the contract. You were on the, the Dana White looking for a fight. Tell me how that whole experience played out for you. It was cool. I mean, like, it's like you said, I didn't get the contract. I didn't, I, like, the fight was was going pretty smooth the whole time, and then I got caught with a big that, knee. And yes. It almost finished, and then I came back. But I think Dana, Dana also wasn't, like, in a good mood, you know? Like, he was he was probably partying all week, and uh, he just wasn't in a good mood. And it, the whole, like, situation at the end didn't work out well. My manager, like, he got mad that my management like uh, brought all the people and like put on him but it's fine like it just happens you know like you, you're like damned if you do damned if you don't you know sometimes yeah. like like i don't know i don't know but it didn't matter and um yeah i'll, I'll either i'll either get uh I'll either fight for the ufc soon or i'll you know go to the pfl tournament at the beginning of next year so either one's fine with me well yeah like uh, the way pfl's doing things right now if you're not going to be in the ufc you might as well go win a million bucks right yeah, no, it's really good. It, it's 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 for for one year. There's no organization that can pay the same, you know. Like, and, and honestly, you're you're making close to two million when you win all five fights, you know, with with all that pay and and um, and and, and those without sponsors, you're making. And after five fights, on top of the million dollar bonus, you make pretty good money. So uh, you mentioned the last fight for a second, and I want to talk about the knee. He, he caught you with a clean knee, and it really showed your adversity and how you were able to, you know adapt to situations and how you were able to come back from that. I mean, uh, that knee you would have put nine guys out of ten out. Yeah. No, it wasn't It wasn't good. I mean, like, yeah, I threw a jab. He threw a perfect knee, you know? Like, I threw a jab. I lowered my level a little bit, threw a jab, and then he came right under my arm, and the knee just caught me. Like, it was a great knee. You couldn't, can't, couldn't see it coming. It was the opposite knee. And um, 
yeah, it dropped me pretty bad, and I remember being out of it for a little while, and then eventually, you know, once I came to, I was fine. But it was really, it was really bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I stayed awake. I guess I just wanted to win. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, it yeah, seemed like he hit you with that knee, and then he, like you just instinctually took him down and then just went to town on him. Yeah, I remember I sort of woke up there. Like, I was like, a, like the first little bit, I was like messed up and stuff. And then I was kept on coming to more and more. And then by the time I got onto his leg, I'm like, all right, I'm, I was totally fine then, like in my head. Not totally fine, but, you know, good enough to, to keep fighting. Totally. Um, there was some speculation by Dana saying that this last opponent was handpicked for you. Uh, yeah, that was great. I, I thought that was ridiculous because Anderson Hutchinson pulled out like two weeks before the fight. Yeah, that was ridiculous. You know, like, like, let me tell you something right now, okay? Not to brag, but I honestly think that South Florida is the hardest place in the world to fight. Like, you fight a 7-3 and guy in South Florida, it's like fighting a 14-0 guy in Nebraska, okay? And and that's just the hard truth. We have the best top, like, guys in the world. So I don't, I never heard of a hand-picked guy that's from ATT Coconut Creek who's a yeah. jiu-jitsu black belt, you know? Like, like, like he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt from ATT Coconut Creek and yeah, I, I, there's no such thing. Some of the top co- coaches in his corner. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand that. You know, there's like, there was, there's nothing of that nature. The guy, the different style, at the very end. Uh, you know, like I just, like, of course, we accept the fight, but, but, yeah, there's. But you have no control over that. Like that, that, that has nothing to do with you too. At the end of the day, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that was crazy to say. It was handpicked. It, it was funny. We were joking about, uh, joking about it too. Um, when, when after like you know the, we saw the show, it was like there's no such thing as a handpicked. Like we brought in some guy from Nebraska or something like that. Yeah. Or like Oklahoma that was you know freaking seven and six. Like all like like all these other guys are fighting that have undefeated records. Then yeah, okay, it's handpicked, but that was not the case at all. I've I'm not gonna name any names, but I've seen some kids in my area out here in the Vegas area who have. Barely, like especially in their amateur careers, they'd be like ten and zero and fighting guys no. barely getting out of pads. No, listen, like and I'm not, to, I'm not, yeah, exactly. I don't need anything, but I've looked at the contender series and all, and all these guys there that I'm looking at good records of nine and one and, and, and ten and two, and I'm looking at the records and they're fight, fighting. All the records are like seven and six guys, six and four guys, three and three and three and eight guys. I seen I saw a guy with a crazy record the other day that I think it was from. I'll say it was from the team Alpha Male. I think he was like fighting one and nine guys, two and eleven guys. I don't even know where you find guys like that. Yeah, know? totally. In South Florida, we don't even have guys like that. But yeah, no, nothing of that nature. Well, yeah, there was a, a guy on the Contender Series on Tuesday, and I think his combined opponents were like five and twenty-three. Yeah, that's sick. You know, <laughs> my my combined combined opponent records are like yeah, nothing like that. Well, <laughs> like I mean, no. Your title fight, your last two fights have been guys against the six and one Luis Gomez at the time, and uh, Uruguay was seven and one. Yeah. What do you feel about uh, Andrew Whitney? He's six and se- sixteen and seven. Uh, what kind of things do you see that he possesses in the cage? It's like a like a poor man's version of me. I don't know. <laughs> that he's a, he's he's good, you know. Like he has you know striking, wrestling. It's the same. It's the same shit. Like people always ask me, like, what am I gonna do? It's I mean, I'm gonna do the same thing every time. I go out there and fight. I'm gonna stop this guy from punching and submitting me, and we're gonna we're gonna see who wins. You know, pretty simple. Has it just seemed like American Top Team has just been trying to throw guys out there to beat you for a while now? Is that where he's from? Yeah, well, that's where he's yeah. affiliated out of. Okay, see, I don't even I don't even know that. No, I, I mean I don't know. I, I know American Top Team has a huge team, you know. So like, they have so, so many guys, um, but 
yeah, it's not going to work. I don't know. Do you think it bothers him being like the biggest gym in Florida to not have the best featherweight in Florida? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it does. I mean, they've seen me a bunch of times. I'm, I'm sure. I don't, I don't know, but I'm sure I have my 13 wins. I like six or seven of them are against their guys. You know, well, Dean Thomas crazy. himself on the show was like, "Yeah, this guy's beating everybody in Florida." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know that that they have to be probably mad. I, I know. I'm pretty sure. Um, um, Pino was mad at that last fight because he, he started yelling at the ref. I should have been stopped, and uh, I was just la- I laughed, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, what do you take from that last fight? The whole situation. Oh, uh, it's fine, you know. Like, um, I mean, it, like the fight would have been super smooth if I don't get called at knee. I go on dominate whatever. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't know what I take from it. I don't know. It's more another experience, another experience, another fight, and there's another one in my belt, and I'll I'll build from here, you know. So for sure, if the UFC does not call you after this next fight, we're looking at PFL. Yeah. So I actually have a little like I probably I'll tell this I don't care that I think um, I think Herbert Burns pulled out of his um, contender series on Tuesday and they just and my my manager just messed me last night and said hey you want the you want to fight I said like is the sky blue so um, I'm waiting to hear back in the next couple hours if I'm gonna fight on Tuesday so I gotta cut a bunch of weight if I'm gonna fight on that one and if not I'll fight the 23rd on, in Titan. No, she will listen. If you fight on Tuesday, I will see you there. I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit up my boy Julian Marquez and I'll get tickets and uh, okay, I'll get sure. down there for sure, man. That'd be awesome. For sure, I'll, I'll let you know. Like I should know in the next couple hours. I told my dear no ASAP because I have I have some serious weight to cut. Yeah, so totally. Yeah, but I'm in good shape, so I would love to fight too. It's against some. It's against a really. It's a good matchup for me. Really good. Not a hand-picked opponent. <laughs> nah, yeah. Listen, more handpicked than freaking my last guy. I think Derek Miner or something like that. He's from the, he's from Nebraska. He's from that's Nebraska. Why I, yeah, that's think Nebraska. I'm pretty sure that's where he's from. But yeah, no, no handpicked ones. I, I can't believe Daniel was saying that. You know, like there's no such thing as a handpicked guy from ATT Coke Creek. No, they don't even let them in the gym. Exactly. Like, and their gym yeah. is so big too. They would weed out those guys. Yeah, no, those guys came. Those guys came to handle like just the the B level guys. Listen, know? I would go for a warm up and be done. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, what what would you like for like the next two and a half years out of your career? Obviously, win a million bucks would be nice. Yeah, no, I want to. I, like definitely the next two and a half years. Like, like so, my plan was and it has been since this, since the stiff in the UFC. I was gonna, I was gonna continue staying busy. That's why I'm fighting on the twenty third. And then um, uh, it's gonna fight at least one, one, two more times this year, and then probably go to PFL and, and, and go win a million bucks next year. But the biggest, biggest thing I'm looking at in the next two and a half years is just to get a major organization title. I want a major, major organization title, um, and yeah, that's all. And then, and then, and then possibly like two of them, you know, like move on to another one. Uh, like a different weight class or a different organization? A uh, different organization, you know. It's like, and I'm sure in the next two and a half, three years, you're gonna see a change in in that um they'll probably start i don't know some something more like boxing maybe not that soon but maybe a start in the next three or four years do you have any aspirations to ever fight at bantamweight again uh, i've never fought at bantamweight oh see I tapology would. again has you ranked as a bantamweight yeah they're crazy i don't know I've never <laughs> no you know what i i i would fight at bantamweight i think it's a, a great class class for me it would just take some serious serious dieting and conditioning and stuff, stuff like that but um I'm not going to do bantamweight until, like, I'm getting paid, like, crazy, like, b- better money, you know what I mean? Well, like, if it helps, 
Tapology has you ranked as the number two family in the state of Florida between active yeah, pros. I never thought family. Tapology is crazy as hell. I don't know what the hell. I never even looked at that. Who stuff. the hell is running this site? Yeah, I, I don't look. I don't know. I never look. People always tell me, oh, you're number one in Florida. Or you're number this and that. I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't know? matter. Anyone, anytime, they can all get it. Yeah. Now, uh, who kind of brought the whole PFL deal to you? Um, I manage, I manage it by first round. So Malky and Abraham, really good guys, and um, and we were talking about it. And I, I think after this fight, we'll talk to them a little more, and we'll see what we can do. But I think I, I, I'm like definitely interested in them. I like their show. I love how you can. It doesn't matter. You're just fighting top guys, and it's all really good guys, and um, it looks like fun. No, definitely. Uh, how long have you been with first round management? Ooh, almost probably going on um, like a year and a half. How vital do you feel like they've been to your career since then? No, the first round's been great. You know, they're lo they're located in Miami. I got a, a good rep, Antonio. He does awesome for me. He always makes sure like I'm good and all that stuff. And um, they've been they've been really good. You know, and and just like right now, if I get this contender thing, it'd be great too. And they they set up they helped set up the uh, Dano coming to um, Miami thing or Florida. So that was cool. Uh, have you always had a manager your entire career? Or was that something that you just finally decided to go jump on? No, I was managed by, yeah, I, I wasn't managed for a long time. Then I got managed by Sucker Punch, and then we left Sucker Punch and went to first round. Do you feel like that's kind of the way to go to start off, just kind of do your thing? Yeah, like, I, I honestly don't think, like, even right now, the reason I'm, I'm managed now is it's not that these Titan fights, I can get the Titan fights, you know, without, without yeah. the bigger fights, you know, that they have the UFC Connect and the PFL Connect and all that. But, yeah, when you're first starting, I really don't think there's any reason to get a manager I mean there's there could be a couple of reasons but the majority of the people you don't need one when you first start it's like yo book a fight and 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 fight you know you're a, you're two no three no it's not like you're gonna get in to the big show but on the other hand you know you'll see guys that are five and oh right now and then they're getting onto the contender and getting signed with the UFC so that could be just saying totally stupid stuff and you just signed pretty close to after your first couple of fights no definitely uh how's the weight right now oh uh, my weight's like I'm probably like okay, so I was like 64 last night, like out, like, and I'm real lean. So I mean, like, I'll, I'll make the weight, you know. I got 20, 20 pounds, 18 pounds to cut if I have to do it by Tuesday. But as far as the 23rd goes, I'm I'm on great pace. Bro, I've seen your training videos. I have no doubt that you'll make that weight if the call comes on Tuesday. If yeah, you guys yeah. haven't seen Jason Suarez's training regimen on Instagram, it is ridiculous. Yeah, no, I'll let, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know today. I, should, I have to know today. I can't make it up. They don't tell me today. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome, man. That's super exciting news. Get an opportunity to fight in Dana again, hopefully. Um, uh, when did this whole kind of thing come about, you knowing about Herbert's situation and then your management calling? The, the contender thing? Yeah. Oh, like last night, like probably 11 o'clock. Like I just got... Oh, wow. Like, my manager Abraham hit me up and asked me, but I still don't know. We don't know if the I, I knew the guy pulled out. I'm not sure if it's been filled. I think he asked if it's filled. And he hasn't been. They haven't told me yet. So I'll, I'll message him actually in a second and let and see what's going on. It seems like a perfect fit. Ready for you to slide right in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in shape. That's exactly why too. I, I like went right back into camp and and booked another fight just to stay in shape. If anything pops up, um, so I'm ready to go. No, for sure, man. I don't want to uh, keep you more. I know you're super busy this morning. you got more training to do, and uh, you're at your house right now. Um, but before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to give a quick shout-out to your sponsors. Oh, man. Uh, 
I just, you know, my, my biggest sponsors are Firm Realty. They're located in, in the Florida Keys in, in South Florida. Um, other than that, man, I train at Freestyle Fighting Academy, located in Miami, Florida. We're open 24-7. Anytime anybody wants to come train, check out the gym. We're open 24-7, so just stop by. And I think that's all, man. It's Freestyle Fighting Academy. Check me out on Instagram, Facebook. Instagram is Specimen Soares, Facebook, Jason Soares. And uh, thank you so much, man. Randall, you the best. No, of course, brother. Before I let you go, though, I want to get you uh, quick words of advice for anyone coming up trying to make it still. Man, the biggest words of advice for someone trying to come up in an MMA uh, is just train hard, train smart, find good partners, find good coaches, and put in as much work as possible, uh, as, as much as possible, yeah. There you guys hear it straight from the king himself, the featherweight champion, Jason Suarez. Thanks for having us again, Jason. Thank you, buddy. You have a great day. No, for sure, man. Hey, guys, this is Courtney Casey, and we're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys, one of my favorite portions of the show. As you know, we are here to preview UFC on ESPN5. It is a headline by Colby Covington versus Robbie Lawler. If Colby Covington wins this fight, you will definitely see him up against the great Kamaru Usman next. But I just want to say this one real quick, okay? If Robbie Lawler somehow comes out victorious on Saturday afternoon... I do not think that he deserves a title shot. If Robbie Lawler wins, the next person should be Jorge Masvidal. I just want to make that very clear right now that we start this off. Wally Wall, I know that your boy Colby Covington is fighting. How excited are you for this? I'm very excited. And this is a huge fight, not an easy one, a really tough one. So I think that Kobe, if he wins this fight, he will solidify his place to be the number one contender, even though I think he's the real champion and Usman is the number one contender. But, you know, who cares? Listen, bro. Do we really need to fucking yeah. discuss this again? Before we break down USC you- on ESPN5, I'm going to yet again remind Waleed that I was in the building March 6th when Kumara Usman completely dominated Tyrone Woodley for five full rounds to become the undisputed welterweight champion of the world, crowning him the best welterweight in the UFC and in the world. Kumara Usman is the best thing we have at 170 pounds right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always say that, but come on. Okay. To start off UFC on ESPN5, someone that I've been super excited to see get in the UFC, Hannah Goldie is going to be making her UFC debut against Miranda Granger. Uh, Hannah Goldie is 5-0, Miranda is 6-0. Both these young women are going to go in there and put on a hell of a show. I believe this might be Miranda's first fight in the UFC also. Uh, don't quote me. Super excited about these two. I mean, I always say this is Miranda's first fight. I always say, guys, check out these fights early because these are the future of the UFC, and these two women are definitely that. I can't wait. We're going to add another two women to this flyweight division, and slowly but surely this women flyweight division is becoming very, very stacked. Yeah, I agree with you. We have so much right now, female Women's fighting in the flyweight division. That's I think that's we have legit future contenders and future champions right now. 
No, Hannah Goldie, ever since we saw her on the Contender Series, she's just looked very good. Uh, she had a unanimous decision victory in her Contender Series fight. Now here we come to see her take on her very first fight in the UFC, another woman that's debuting. So Octagon jitters kind of even out right there. They should both be filling them. It should be a hell of a fight for the first fight of the night. That should set the tone for the rest of the card. Yeah, I agree with you. That's that's a good way to start the show. The second fight of the card, Claudio Silva is taking on Cole Williams in the 170 pounds. A Claudio, William, Claudio Silva, <laughs> sorry guys, Claudio Silva is a, a really under-the-radar talent, I would say. He's beaten Leon Edwards. He's beaten some of the uh, you know up-and-coming guys like uh, Roberts. He just took him out a couple of months ago. But Cole Williams is another guy at 170 pounds that he's looking to take out. And Claudio Silva, outside of injury, we could be talking about him as we're talking about some of the other big 170-pounders right now. He'd be right on the cusp of a title shot also if he hadn't got injured. Yeah, his injury really slowed him down, I think. And I, and like I, we said before, like those the division like the flyaway the the i mean the lightweight and the welterweight one like if they weren't that stacked like those guys would be like top ranked i i feel and, and claudio silva i mean he's like i said he beat leon edwards he just beat danny roberts yeah. he beat nordin talib i mean outside of injuries he's gonna look very good in this division cole williams is making his ufc debut He's a uh, thirteen and one. We shall see how this is going to play out. Uh, I can't wait. It should be a good second fight of the night. The third fight, uh, women's flyweights again. Lauren Murphy is taking on Mario Romero Barella. Barella is twelve and five. Murphy is ten and four. Uh, currently, right now in the world, Mara Mara. I can't fucking say anything today. Mara Romero Barella. <laughs> Romero Barella is the number 12 ranked flyweight, women flyweight in the world. And Laura Murphy is the number 13. I'm excited about these two. I mean, like I said, flyweight is slowly but surely becoming a very, very stacked division. And again, I mean, these two women are going to put on a hell of a show. Laura Murphy has been around in the UFC for a long time. Same with Barella. I, I was at her very first fight at UFC 209, and now here we are, just got done with UFC 240, and uh, they're showing that they can stick around and have longevity in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, like we said, for the first flyweight uh, fight, this fight is uh, is between two top, uh, two top uh, female fighting, and I think that... Uh, yeah, I always like watching Lauren Murphy, and I believe that, I don't know, if she, this win can make her like fight against another top female fighter, and who knows, maybe she will fight for the belt very soon if she wins those fights. Those are the key fights she needs to win. Well, Jordan Espinoza has been on a roll since going to the Contender Series and having a huge win by knockout. He beat Eric Shelton, and now he is going to be taking on Matt Danger Snell. On the 125-pound division, that is our fourth fight of the night. Matt Schnell is obviously a UFC veteran. He's been in there with all kinds of people from the likes of fucking, 
oh shit, sorry, off the top of my head, Luis Smolka, sorry, Rob Font, he fought him. He fought Tim Silva in a, or Tim Elliott in the Ultimate Fighter. He lost Tim Elliott. That was his how he got out of the tournament. Jonathan Martinez, who is now in the UFC, they fought before they were ever in the UFC. I mean, Matt Danger Snow has put it on some of the best, but I honestly think Jordan Espinoza and the wrestling that he brings with him is going to be way too much for Matt Snow to handle, and I think Jordan Espinoza is going to go in there and get the victory over Matt Danger Snow this Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you, and I like the fact that we had two flyweight fights in the last two UFC shows. The last one, was, which, one which was a pay-per-view, and this one, which is a fight night. So I like it. Because that means that the flyweight division is not dead. No, for sure. The next like fight it. of the night is another set of fucking flyweights. But this one is the women's flyweight division. Lucy Padlova is taking on Antonina Shevchenko. That is Valentina Shevchenko's sister. Padlova is so two. Pedlova is two and three since joining the UFC. She's on a two-fight losing streak. Her last fights were against Irene Aldana and Lars Kamich. She lost both those fights. Here she goes up against Antonina Shevchenko. I am a big fan of Shevchenko. I like what she puts on. Uh, she's won every single one of her fight up until she fought Roxanne Monteferri in her last fight, which she lost by a split decision. Uh, I'm super excited for those two. Uh, like I've been saying, the flyweights, man. You guys need to watch out for these women flyweight division. It is scary what they're going to be bringing on. And I mean, what Antonina possesses, she's not even the best of the two Shevchenko sisters. Her sister is the queen of the flyweight division and is a murderer. Yeah, because, and for the for the males division, like you need to understand that. The, the lower we go in the weight class, like the more te technical we get. So if you want really want to see technical fights, like, you know, not just knockouts and stuff like that, but real technicals at, at all the, at all the, you know, all the, the things that in the game we have, like the striking, the grappling, like in the, in the, fly, in the flyweight, you can't just be a striker or just be a grappler. You need to know, to know how to do everything. And the, this is why I really think that the flyweight division needs to stay. And the female flyweight division is is a tough division too. And the the Shevchenko is a really good fighter. So I I think that she's going to win this fight because I really feel that Shevchenko needs to fight for against like top ranked fire fighters. No, and I'm super excited. All these fights right here on the this the next fight, Salim Tahari, who is going to be taking on Mickey Gall. Salim is still looking for his very first UFC victory. It feels like Mickey Gall has been in the UFC spotlight since his very first fight, which he pretty much has. His very first fight was on the Dana White's looking for a fucking fight. And then since then, he's only fought in the UFC. I mean, Mickey Gall has pretty much grown up in front of our eyes. You're just going to continue to see him grow. Uh, Salim versus Mickey is a great matchup. I kind of feel like they're throwing Mickey a bone here with Salim, though. I feel like he's not quite on the level of Mickey Gall. I feel like with Mickey Gall, we could be seeing a potential future champion. I mean, uh, from what I understand, the kid's only, what, he's 27 years old, so he's just entering his athletic prime. We could be seeing a huge evolution within Mickey Gall within the next couple of fucking fights here. Yeah, I really feel so because I think Mickey goes. Maybe only problem was his striking because his jiu-jitsu like his next level. He's a brown belt and he's very young and he's a brown belt. I maybe a black belt right now. I don't know. But, uh, uh, last time, last time. I... Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, I said that. Last time I checked, I think he's still a brown belt, but I'm not sure about that. You know, I'm not too sure what his belt is right now, but I know so far in his UFC performance, he's looked pretty good. I know he's gotten guys like CM Punk and Mike Jackson, but also he's fought in the likes of Sage Northcutt. He gave Sage Northcutt his very first loss ever, and he looked very good in that performance. He also fought Randy Brown. He looked very good in that performance. Rude Boy put it on him, though, and got the victory. Uh, Diego Sanchez was the only performance where I feel like he got very dominated. And I, I really just feel like yeah. that was the experience of Diego Sanchez playing the biggest factor. I feel like Salim versus Mickey Gall is the right time to have these two fighting. I just feel like Salim, unfortunately, isn't at the level of Mickey Gall. What do you think about the fact that we saw that Mickey Gall, like, he invited the, uh, Diego Sanchez in his fight? Like, you know, we saw that like, he... What do you think about Bro, that? I don't know what the fuck Diego was doing to Mickey Gall to get that retribution. I guarantee you it was retribution for something Diego was doing, though, because Diego does some weird shit in the ring. I mean, you you heard yeah. him. He put fucking fingers in dude's ass. Yeah, he's crazy. So maybe he did that to him. No, but I for don't sure. I mean, that was uh, a good fight for him. That was. Think, like, uh, I really think that he, he needed maybe that loss against someone who's very... Like... Very well-rounded and maybe one, yeah, one, an old fighter. So kind of, you know, he needed that fight. I think that this fight, in this fight, I think he will shine, Mickey Gall. I really feel that Mickey Gall is going to win this. Fight. I think it was the right opponent to not completely kill his confidence, but give yeah. him a rude awakening, like, hey, I need to step my shit up. Yeah, I agree with you. All these fights, guys, these earlier fights, they start, I know at least, you know, in the Western Hemisphere, they start, like, I believe the very first fight of the night's at 9 a.m., so these next fights are probably, you know, these, Mickey Gall and them are probably going to walk into the octagon around 11.40, 11.45. I wouldn't be surprised. Right before noon. Yeah. But here we go on the main card, the very first fight, Darko Stosik is taking on Kennedy Nazuku in the 205-pound division. Uh, another African brother, man, over here, Kennedy. Uh, I mean, just a big guy for 205 pounds. I mean, he could easily make heavyweight. He fights out of Fortis MMA. You've seen him on the Contender Series. He had a huge head kick and followed up with some nice punches. He lost to Paul Craig, but it was in a last-second triangle. You know how Paul Craig throws those goddamn things up in desperation and gets them sometimes. I'm really super excited yeah. for Kennedy. I feel like, I mean, his name is the African Savage. How do you not think that this guy is going to be a complete fucking savage? He is, and you know, and those guys, and those big guys, those big, those big Africans, that you know, that they're always going to try to kill you in the cage. And I think that's that's what we are going to see in the cage. Well, he, he's got a big Serbian standing in front of him, the 27-year-old Darko Stazuk. He has fought in the UFC twice. He's one in one. I mean, he looked very good. Devin Clark, he lost with it by unanimous decision. But in his very first fight against Jeremy Kimball, he finished that with ground and pound. And he looked very impressive in doing so. I'm super excited. I feel like we have a huge clash at light heavyweight kicking off this show and you know that the UFC has faith in these two gentlemen because they would not be on this portion of the card this is the very first fight on ESPN 
you know, for the main card, you know they're going to go out there with a bang. You know the USC expects these two to throw fireworks. I mean, I'm super excited for that fight. Super excited. That's a, a great fight to start off the main card. Yeah, that's a good. That's that's a great way to start the 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 main card. I agree with you. Now, in the main card, we have Scott Holtzman taking on Dung Hoi Moi in the 155-pound division. Uh, as you know, Holtzman has gone out there. He's from the MMA lab. He's been in the UFC for a while now. I mean, what has he like had like nine, ten fights at least? He's lost to guys like Josh Emmett. He's lost his last fight to Nick Lentz. Uh, before he lost to Nick Lentz, so he was on a three-fight winning streak. Super excited to see him in the cage again. I mean, those guys at the lab, I mean, they're just so good over there. John Crouch is just putting a huge team together. He wrestled at the University of Tennessee, I believe. Uh, super excited to see this fight against Dung Hai Mai. Dung Hai Mai? Hung yeah. Mai. Hung Mai? Hung Mai. Dung Hai Whatever you say. Dong behind mask. He's three I, and yeah, three. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know a lot about him. Like, is he? Yeah, he's three and three in the yeah, UFC. In the UFC, he's had six fights. Uh, he's lost to guys like Polo Reyes, uh, Demarcus yeah. Still, Devonte Smith. Um, he had a win over Takanori Gomi. Yeah. So yeah, I I think I remember the dude. This is a good fight. Like this is a good fight in the lightweight division. Like, like I said, the lightweight division is so stacked that this this fight may be a huge fight. But just because those just because those names are not huge names, like people are, you know, you should not sleep on this fight. I really feel that this fight can be a, a huge fight in this card. Well, this fight and then the one after the next one we're about to talk about is another 155 pound fight where it's the same thing. You might not know the names. But it is a hell of a matchup. And then, trust me, from a guy who watches MMA every single weekend, you're going to want to tune into some of these fights, especially some of these earlier fights, guys, because those are very good matchups. Now, yeah. uh, in the. I can't fucking talk. In the middleweight division, Gerald Mershep is taking on Trevin Giles. Uh, Gerald Mershap, man, ever since he's been on the UFC, has been a fucking pretty much a punching bag. I mean, how else do you put it? He's lost two fights in a row. I mean, he lost to Tiago Santos also by a huge ground-and-pound knockout. Uh, I mean, Kevin Holland beat him in his last fight out. I really, really had high yeah. expectations for Gerald Mershap, too, when he came into the UFC uh, he was on a what I believe a two fight win streak when he stepped into the UFC. I just it feel like ever since he had that first loss in the UFC, just his confidence has completely gone downhill from then. And we have a guy here in Trevin Giles who is a fucking beast. He lost his very first fight in his last fight out against Zach Cummings. He got choked out in the third round of a fight where I thought he was honestly winning. Um, I'm telling you, Trayvon's going to go in there and put it on him, and it might not be a fucking very long night for him. I feel like Gerald Marshart might get knocked out in the very first round. Yeah, but there's something about Gerald. Like, when you see, like, his uh, record, you see that he fought against guys like Holland, Hermanson, Thiago Santos, smiling, uh, smiling uh, Sam Elvey. Look, those fights, those, fighters are not e those fights are not easy fights. Like, I feel that the fighter, like, had... 
the dude had so much tough fights in his uh, career, so that, that doesn't mean that he may maybe lo lo lose this fight, so who knows? Uh, like I was saying, there's a couple of un-55ers. You guys might not see the names, but it's a very good matchup. This is one of them. Former Ultimate Fighter Brazil competitor Joaquim Silva. I believe he lost on the finale of the Ultimate Fighter for Brazil. Uh, do not quote me, goddammit. <laughs> he has been on a, a roll as of late outside of a loss to Vince Pichel back in January of 2018. He's looked very well since being in the UFC. He beat Jared Gordon in his last outing at UFC on Fox 31. I believe that was the last UFC on Fox card. He's going to get against Joaquin Silva, who is on a two-fight win streak. He might beat Mark DeCasey, which was the one fight that really opened my eyes. It was his first victory in the UFC, his second fight in the UFC. And Mark DeCasey is a guy who I've had my eyes on for a while. And to see him go in there and outpoint him for three rounds, it really opened my eyes to say that, you know, we really could see a huge prospect in the 155-pound division. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I, because I remember the, the fight against Mark DeCasey, and I, I was really impressed by him because he looked, looked really, really, really good in that fight. And after that, he won against Chivo Guzzi, so... I think that's he's right now in a good streak, and I think he's going to win this fight. Uh, here we go. A couple legends going in the co-main event. Clay the Carpenter Guida is taking on Jim Miller. If you would have told me this fight was taking place 15 years ago, I probably would have believed you then. Uh, Clay Guida, I mean... He's a beast, man. He's fought in everybody in this division from BJ Penn, Jalo Wizon, Brian Ortega, Chad Mendez, Gray Maynard, Benson Henderson, RDA, Kenny Florian, Diego Sanchez. I mean, the guy is just a goddamn beast, and he's been around the UFC forever. I mean, he came from Strike Force, came from WFC. I believe, let's just check this out real quick. His very first UFC fight was. UFC 64, unstoppable, against Justin yeah. James. So that's yeah, how long. This is crazy. That's how long the and then another gentleman, 30 and 13, Jim Miller. 30 and 13. Yeah. That looks like a goddamn boxing record. A1 has been around forever. He's only 35 years old, but again, his very first UFC was UFC. 89. God damn. Another guy who's fought everybody. Charles Oliveira, Dan Hooker, uh, Anthony Pettis, Poirier. Again, Lozon, Sanchez, Michael Sieska. Nate Diaz, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, he, uh, Nate Diaz, that was the fight that he had to win to get the title shot against Benson Henderson. And Nate Diaz went in there and had a clean guillotine choke in the second round. I remember that fight. I was a huge Nate Diaz fan at the time, so I was just hoping that he would get that fight against Benson. And he did and didn't show up in that fight, unfortunately. Yeah, I just want to give you a number, 97. Like, 97 is the number of... Uh, MMA fights they both had. Like if you, if you add up the, the fights that Jim Miller and Clay Guida had in, the, in their MMA career, it's nearly seven. And how many of those are, are are UFC fights? That that's the real question. I I really I feel that the, the majority like of them a good eighty percent. I wouldn't be surprised. 
yeah, I think something like that. And, and this is crazy. Like this is a good fight. And the the problem is, those two fighters are still relevant. Like it's not like we had the BJ BJ Penn right now or. Craig Lida is still relevant, and Jim Miller too. So yeah, those two Glida are still dangerous. Glida just beat BJ Penn too. That was his last fight. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I feel that's Craig Lida maybe a better fighter than Jim Miller at this point of their career. And but, but I don't know. Who, who I'm knows. super excited. You know, there's going to be fireworks between these two. Every time yeah. either one of these guys step in, you know you're in the potential to see a fight of the night candidate, and we could possibly see the fight of the lifetime here because Clay Guida's already put some on, and Jim Miller has definitely put some great performances on, but in the past. Now we're going to get to the main event. I know Waleed has been giddy in anticipation to talk about his boy Colby Covington finally returning the first time this year. The biggest fight Waleed has been looking forward to this entire year. Colby Covington takes on Robbie Lawler in the main event. UFC on ESPN5. Super excited for this one. Colby Covington, we haven't seen all year. Uh, I mean, since he what? Since he won his title, correct? That was the last time we yeah. seen him fight RDA, where he was crowned the unanimous or the under the, the, the interim champion. Since then, he was stripped of the interim title. Uh, Till ended up taking a fight that he was supposed to take against Woodley. Till lost that fight. Woodley fought Usman. Usman won. Usman's now the champion. Colby Covington has no claim to any championship at all, but he does hold. <laughs> A very nice win streak in this welterweight division. It sits at six with some big names on it. Max Griffin, Brian Barbarino, Dung Ho Kim, Damian Maya, and Rafael Hosanza or Rafael Dos Anjos. Adding Robbie Lawler to that list is the explanation point to the very well-deserved title shot for Colby Covington. The only problem is, is Robbie Lawler is not a short work. We're talking about the former welterweight champion of the world. Again, a man who's been in there with everybody in the UFC, including the one of the Diaz brothers. He's been in there against Carlos Condit, Tyrone Woodley, Donald Cerrone, even Ben Askren in a very controversial loss in his last fight. Ruthless Robbie Lawler is in a two-fight losing streak, and I think that's when he's going to be at his most dangerous. But I still think Colby yeah. Covington pulls out a victory. I think the wrestling is going to be the biggest ultimatum when it comes to the whole fight. I think the ground and pound that Colby Covington possesses as he brings his wrestling into it. I mean, let, let's not joke around. He's one of the better wrestlers in the welterweight division, and he's shown that throughout his career. Yeah, but the problem is Robbie Lawler is a great wrestler too because we saw how he slammed Ben Askren. So I don't know if it's a huge advantage. I think that the key to win, yes, it may be the wrestling game, but I think if he wants to win this fight against Robbie Lawler, he really needs to put pressure on him. And you know, keeping keeping him uh, with uh, with the cage, and you know, just striking, making the fight dirty, because you don't want uh, a confident Robbie Lawler. And the problem is, Robbie Lawler every time he gets angry, is the most dangerous Robbie Lawler that we have. And Robbie Lawler right now is in two fight losing streak, like you said. And now I think I feel that he's motivated and very dangerous. And this is a crazy fight. This is not the easiest fight for Colby Covington, I feel. 
No, uh, the one thing that Colby does very good is he has a very good pace that he brings to the table. One of the better paces in the welterweight division. It, we know that Robbie Lawler has a gas tank, but is he going to be able to keep up with the pace for three rounds? Like, or sorry, for yeah. five rounds that we're going to see Colby Covington be able to put on him because we've seen Colby Covington put it on RDA for five rounds. Now I know we haven't seen Colby all year long, but. He's at ATT. Those guys are training day in and day out. He trains with some of the best fighters in the world. He is not going to be unprepared for this challenge in Robbie Lawler. I honestly see Colby Covington going in there and getting a unanimous decision victory over Robbie Lawler this weekend and solidifying himself as the number one contender. I feel that too. I feel that's what will happen. And I feel that this is what we need and what the UFC need because we need to see the Usman against Colby Covington to know who is the real champion. No, for sure, man. I'm super excited about this card. Uh, we can keep going on for days about this matchup, though. I'm telling you. This this is a, yeah. one for the ages. Don't blink. It could be over quick, though, because Robbie Lawler is known to put people out of their fucking senses in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And Colby can put everybody to, to sleep with to his sleep. performance. Not... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Like I said, stay or tune in early because it is a early one for us on Saturday. Uh, like I said, on the West Coast, the main card starts at noon. Uh, so I believe on uh, where they are, it starts at three. So super excited for that. Um, stay tuned, guys. After this, we are going to have an awesome interview with Nadia Kasim, and then we are going to have a quick little outro but stay tuned because you're going to have a quick station identification and you are listening to MMA Wreckage Radio Hey this is Manny Bermudez and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio Alright guys joining me at this time is a young lady who was on the shelf last time we spoke but now she is ready to get back in the octagon Nadia Cassian Miss 187 herself how you doing Nadia? I'm doing really well, thank you. So you have a fight lined up. Tell us who, what, when, where, how. So I'm fighting on USC 243, which is scheduled to be October 5th um, at Marble Stadium in Melbourne. And my opponent is Gion Kim. And, um, yeah, she's 8-2. and two. Um, I'm looking forward to this belt, to be honest. Like, fuck, it's been... Fina, like, even though I didn't fight that long ago, I still feel like it's been a while. And I've still got so much to show. So I can't wait to just get in there. Well, you're still very young, uh, even though you took what a couple months off here. I mean, you're still very young in your fight game. You're only, what, this is your sixth professional fight. You're third in the UFC. Yeah, so this will be my seventh coming up. So, I mean, being placed on a card like UFC 243 with everything that's at stake, Whitaker versus Adesanya, what does that mean for you? I mean, it's a decent card. Like, obviously, it's a title fight, so it's going to be um, a sacked card with... Apparently, it's going to be, like, put down as one of the biggest cards in history or, like, attendance-wise. Attendance, it should be the biggest card ever. Yeah, I heard that. So that sounds, like, wild. And, and that's, like, by a big margin. By, like, 20,000, I believe. That's insane. Um, I just remember, like, fighting... Oh, sorry, not fighting... Um, watching UFC 193, and that was the biggest attendance. And that's at the same stadium. And this was, like, just after I had turned pro. So, like, before the UFC and everything. So it's kind of cool, like, that I get to be a part of that this time around. No, definitely. Um, 
you obviously we talked about that fight with Ronda Rousey that you went yeah. you were there you watched it yeah, yeah, I watched it. As That's what kind of, you know, brought yeah. you into the UFC or brought you into this MMA journey of yours. Um, so how excited are you to get your hands on Miss Kim? Fuck, honestly, I just want to get in there and throw some real hands. Like, I know she's a stand-up chick, so that's perfect for me. Like, um, not that I don't have to be worried about the wrestle, but at least I can focus on stand-up as well, um, you know, because no one really wants to get wrestle-fucked for 15 minutes. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So that's I'm pretty keen to throw down. No, do, do you feel like you have an advantage when it comes to the striking? I wouldn't say an advantage. Um, I don't really feel like I'm at advantage at all. Um, or disadvantage kind of thing is kind of even level. I mean, she's fought some high high level girls. She's fought um, um, Antonina, the Valentina sister. Yes. For Justin Key, she's she's got a few wins, a few losses in the UFC. But um, her experience is more up there. But striking-wise, I don't know. All I've seen is her throw some hands. So we'll just see how that turns out. Uh, do you have an official prediction on how this is going to play out? Obviously, your hand being raised at the end. But do you see yeah. how it's going to be? I know we're two months out. Do you have yeah. a way of it being ended at this point? Well, I'm really hoping um, it comes uh, comes to an end with a finish. You know, hopefully KO, TKO. I'm going to ask you again in two months. We're going to see if it's the same, if you feel that way. Yeah, we'll see then. <laughs> I'm sure by then you'll envision a knockout, and I'll, we'll hear that one. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> now, you said, obviously, she has you know experience. Like you pointed out, she's fought Antonina. She's fought Justine Kish. Um, do you feel like that's going to play a role for her? Because you've also fought big names. Yeah, I mean, I guess... She, in a way, like, they have a variety of um, fighting. Like, they're, they're different. Where I've only... I've had mostly ground girls. Yes. I haven't really had stand-up girls. Um, I've had, like... I mean, Montana did great, and, like, she put me against the cage, but she didn't want to stay in the center. She wanted to back me up. She wanted to be against the cage at the end of the day. And so did Alex Chambers. So um, it'll be different for me to have someone that wants to play center, um, if that's the case. If not then at least I'm more prepared for it this time around. What do you think you took out of the Montana fight? I mean, it was a loss, but obviously you learned some being your second UFC fight. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I feel like it taught me a lot. You know, being first is everything. Um, Being the first person, you know, my issue definitely would have been having, like, waiting, waiting for that person to come. You don't want that shit. Like, with all history from there, you know, the first round, second round, and even after the first round, like in my corner, my coach, Suman, he was like, you got to be the first one. you got to be the first one. He kept saying that, and then I wasn't the first one. Uh, I would try, but again, um, you know, I was backed up. So I think there's more of a head down, you know, rushing in, like bull character this time around. Like my proper way of fighting is kind of the way I've fought. Like I've always been the first. So I guess being second, you know, put me on my ass. And you obviously have a great team over there, an Australian top team. Do you guys have anybody that will kind of mimic him? Yeah, I mean, um, sometimes I'd have like some of my close training partners that would actually try and spar me the way that they would, like, that G would, I would assume, would be sparring me. You know, um, obviously I don't have tunnel vision, like yeah. she might not, but it's to what I've seen, like try and mimic it slightly. No, for sure. I mean, she hasn't even fought this year, so that she could have. You know, evolved exactly since right. then. Exactly right. 
It's what you hear a lot of fighters. Uh, some of them won't pay a whole lot of attention to the other fighters' fights. They'll let their coaches handle that because, again, yeah. the evolution in this game is so big between fight for fight. You don't know which, you know, G you're gonna get. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and I've never really been one to study my opponents, but I feel like this time around it's the, the way to go because, you know, at the end of the day, my coaches can take a look and everything and they can advise me, but I'm the one in that cage. I want to see there are certain things that I can see that they can't see or, you know, like they don't see the feigns, they don't they don't feel that vibe that I get in there. So yeah. um, I think this time around it would be smart if I actually – set my ego aside and set the anger aside because that's been my issue. Like I can't watch my opponents because I get too emotionally invested and I get really fired up. So this time I just got to sit there and cop it and just watch it. You know, it's a smart way. Now, uh, you obviously you have to be rather comfortable fighting in Australia at this point. This is your second fight in Melbourne for the UFC, your first fight in a stadium. Um, how is it for you to be fighting in your own backyard pretty much? I mean, it's pretty awesome, like, still getting to represent um, Western Sydney, um, Southwest Sydney over here. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I've seen a lot of um, hate um, coming my way from the Aussies. And that's cool. Like, they all think, you know, she's shit bitch. She couldn't fight last fight round. You know, I've seen a lot of comments. She doesn't deserve to be in the UFC. She's not on this level. That's fine. Like, I didn't fight for them. I fought for people who have been my day one, people that have believed in me, win or loss. Yeah. Um, but either way, like, I'm fighting for myself. Um, I fight, you know, I'm my own motivation. I know where I came from, um, how I've progressed, and, you know, how it's going to be in the end. So, at the end of the day, it's all good. No, for sure. And then, obviously, the person that you lost to, Montana De La Rosa, is no slouch. I mean, no, you're, you're getting your, you know, fights in the game against high-level opponents, like, you don't have, you know, an amateur career where you're just learning to fight against high-level girls. Yeah, exactly right. And then having to adjust to each person's style, like, you have to kind of change as well. You can't keep fighting the same, like, people will eventually figure out your game, and, you know, that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's rare that you see people coming into the UFC at 4-0. And, I mean, you walked into the UFC, your fifth fight, and... Here we are. And you definitely belong. So don't listen to those haters. Fuck them. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate that. <laughs> that means a lot as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for sure. For someone who's followed this sport for a long time, I say it all the time. This f- women's flyweight division is fucking stacked from top to bottom. And there's girls on the rise that you guys don't even know about it. You being one of them. Thank you. Yeah, now there's heaps of girls in there. Hey, like I actually took a look the other day for the first time. And there was, like, so many chicks. I'm like, oh, wow, like, there's quite a few of us that, like, I haven't even heard of. But, like, no disrespect to them. It's just, like, they haven't been exposed. That's all. And, and that's that's exactly it is they haven't been exposed. Yeah. And that's what yeah, a, that's- lot of, a lot of the casual fans don't understand that because you might not be the household name that – I mean, hell, the champion isn't even that big of a household name. Yeah, I mean, people people that follow the sport for a long time would know. But, um. Yeah, no, it's sad sometimes because, you know, you got to either be talking a lot of shit <laughs> or have, like, some solid ass and titties on you to, like, have a name on you, like, fuck. And then it becomes, like, a, a sexualized thing. So being a female in it, you you got to be, like, you know, the head honcho in a way or yeah. have, like, something about you that makes you stick out. No, for sure. Definitely. Especially nowadays in 2019 with social media and everything that's out there. I mean, you have to. 
yeah, it's insane. It really is. You gotta keep up with that shit. <laughs> no, I can only imagine, like, with your workload, with everything that you do, with training wise, and then plus trying to keep up with all the social media bullshit. I wouldn't want it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plays a plays a part, but fuck, you gotta do it. No, for sure. Um, Lebanese descent. There's not a whole lot of Lebanese fighters in the UFC. What does that mean for you? I mean, it's pretty cool. Like, I do get some support. Um, from people internationally like from lebanon and saying oh well like we don't have many arab girls especially muslim lebanese females i don't think there's any i think i'm the only one yeah um but yeah it's kind of cool in a way but then again like i try not to like enforce too much culture with it because i don't really see myself as being someone to represent my religion and culture together like it's not i'm not the ideal like i'm kind of like accustomed to my own white culture like being an aussie as well yeah you western so i get the judgment yeah so i do get a lot of the judgment as well no for sure uh how does that ever play with you with your psyche do you ever just block it out or i mean is it kind of hard sometimes to deal with that shit you know like it's normally okay like um i don't really like get affected by it but of course like no one wants to wake up and check their phone and just see a bunch of hate comments as well like, you just had the hard week, you've just done a crazy hard day, you might have had a shit day inspiring or whatever. And not like you're looking, you're not like you're fishing for inspiring fucking messages, but to open your phone and then see, like, a bunch of hate. Like, it can be a bit disheartening. It's like, why am I doing this and whatever, whatever. But then, you know, I do, I, then I have to just remember, like, I'm doing this for myself. I'm not doing this for the casuals. Exactly. As I said earlier, yeah. Yeah, fuck the casuals. <laughs> yeah, no, like, they were full right off. No, like, and I don't think, like, a lot of people don't even understand that a lot of the lower level UFC fight, I wouldn't say lower level, some of the guys that you don't know, no, none of the, the big names, a lot yeah. of those people still have everyday jobs. Like, some of them are waiters. Like, Jeff Neal just had a huge knockout, and he's yeah. going to be serving tables in two days. Here. I know, I saw that. <laughs> I saw the interview. I thought it was amazing. Like, the way he thought of it was, like, was great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's still a grind grinding. outside. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep, yep. That's I it. I mean, we all got shit to deal with. We all got families. We all got, you know, outside things. These people at the same time also train for rigorous amount of hours a day and then go out there and put their lives on the line just to entertain us. So stop being all that dickheads. Up, like 10 weeks, 8 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is. And then for that one, one performance, you know, like such a peak performance, such like one thing. It's, it's insane. Like, all that hard work coming to one one night you know one day it's it's insane no definitely now uh do you live at home with your mom i do i live with my mom this, my she uh or she cooks for you yes she does she look does. some of that shit looks fucking amazing <laughs> who needs like lockhart or any of these guys when you have a mom <laughs> like that honestly my mom's the best um she works a full-time job as well She's not like a stay-at-home mom or anything like that. Um, and she's busy, you know. But she she sees how hard I work too. And, like, I have no time for myself. Like, I get home sometimes at, like, 10, 10.30 from work, straight from training to work to home. Like, I don't get a second. Like, if I had to, I, I probably wouldn't be eating as clean. And yeah. obviously, you know, I need the nutrients and I need all that stuff. So she does support me in that way. But it's really great. But um, at the moment, I've actually just come on board like a nutritionist. Um, sorry, a dietitian um, to actually help me properly. You know, cause I know that I'm fighting at flyweight, 
and these bitches are big and I want to <laughs> feel good, you know? Yes. <laughs> I want to feel good. So, yeah. Um, Who is I'm it? Just, it's the Fight Dietitians. So, it's Jordan Sullivan. Oh, perfect, perfect. Have, and this is the first time working with them? First time working with him, yes. And have, um, I'm really excited. Have they got you on any kind of meal plans already? Yeah, so we just kind of started working together like literally this week. So, we're just in the works of getting all the scans and stuff done. And nice send them off to him and he'll come back to me. But I'm honestly like so keen to do it because I, I know that I don't have to cut much weight. And I, I know that I can make weight. It's not about making weight. It's about feeling good and feeling strong and having all that, you know, because I can make weight in a day. Yeah, honestly. No, if totally. I have a party tomorrow, I can, I can do it. But uh, it's not about that. I want to You want to be able to perform. Exactly. It's all about performing. And I mean, we hear it on the show all the time. Like, guys, I had a guy a couple of weeks ago who said he got an offer to fight in the UFC. He's outside of the UFC at this point. Yeah. And it was on a couple of days' notice, and he was like, "Listen, I can make the weight, no problem, but my performance yeah. would have been maybe a half a round, and I'd have yeah. been shit yeah. after that." So, what kind of like for his first look in the UFC, he didn't want that to be his, you know, everlasting moment. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then you're in such a public eye, and you know, you're so judged. It's just like you have to be at your on your A game. Yeah. Like you just gotta be. You gotta show up and fucking perform, or you're gonna get talked about, and you might not win. You know, you're not gonna get paid. So you gotta totally. do it. Totally. Yeah. And then, like, a lot of people don't understand. To get all your money, you have to win. Yeah. Exactly right. People don't understand that. It's fifteen and fifteen, or I mean, I don't know exactly the numbers on you, but that's. I mean, it. it you have to go in there and perform and win to get a nice paycheck. Exactly, and then if, you know if you're not winning, then the, like your next fight, you get paid the same. Like, yeah, you, yep. you're not going up. You need to fucking progress. No, for sure. Well, I don't want to keep you much longer because I know you're super busy today and obviously every day. But uh, yeah. we will be talking to you again. Um, fight week. We'll have you back around. We'll schedule something in the way way future. <laughs> I'm keen as I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me on. No, for sure. Uh, I want right. to give you an opportunity to give shout out to your sponsors real quick. Yeah, no worries. I just want to thank my sponsors, uh, Body Fit and Auburn, Fight Back CBD, Cryotherapy, so Cryoscience in Strathfield, Australian Top Team, and Anomaly Performance. And then where can the fans find you on social media? So my Instagram is Nadia187Custom, and that's basically the one I use. And my Facebook is just a fan page as well. All right, guys, there you have it, Nadia187Custom. Thank you for joining us, and uh, can't wait to see you uh, go in there and take out Jung Young Kim in November October October <laughs> excellent Nadia uh, thank you for joining us and uh, we'll be talking to you soon thank you very much uh, have a good one okay you too so yeah this is Martin Smash Brown lightweight champion of Titan FC and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio alright guys this concludes episode 36 of MMA Wreckage Radio thank you to our guests for showing up we know you guys took time out of your day to do this for us we appreciate it Obviously, Nadia was on the other side of the world, where Jason was on the other side of the country. Uh, Wally Wall, my main man, I appreciate you doing this week in and week out and dealing with my fucking nonsense. I'm sorry, and I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, no problem, brother. At this point, like I feel like uh, I understand all all of your nonsense. <laughs> Good, good. That, that's what I would like to hear. Now, Colby Covington, man, how excited are you to finally see him get back in the cage? I'm, I really am. But I'm, I'm, right now, at this point, like I'm kind of 
like you know when you want when your fighter that you really like is fighting uh, like tomorrow I, I, I'm kind of stressed out <laughs> because it's yeah nervous because it's a it's a tough fight Robbie Lawler is, is not a joke and I'm a fan of Robbie Lawler too so I don't want to see like I'm not the kind of guy who said like yeah Kobe's going to win and stuff like that I'm more real realistic so I think that it's going really to be a tough fight it would not be a, a, in, an easy unanimous decision I feel no, I'm super excited. Uh, up next, though, man, we have the flyweight title fight. Valentina Shevchenko is taking on Liz Carmouche in her second title defense. I'm super excited about that co-main event, Mike Perry versus Vicente Luque. I know you were calling for that one after Vicente's last fight. We finally got it happening. It's going to happen, bro. Your boy Perry getting in there, throw some bombs. Listen, Mike Perry may destroy Luque and go after that belt man is that crazy you're 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 out of your fucking mind if you think that i honestly think the silent assassin is is one of the best undiscovered welterweights and i don't even understand why people don't know who he is yet it's crazy it's crazy that every mma fan in the world they should all know who vicente luke is because he is a fucking murderer i agree with you it's just that I'm I'm a huge Mike Perry fan, and he's crazy, and I'm crazy, so he's I feel that crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. So you hear John Jones? The case is not as bad as everyone heard. Even Dana himself came out and said that John Jones will be fine. Yeah, he will be until he makes another mistake. And, and you guys heard it here first. Herbert Burns is out of his contender series fight next week. Jason Suarez might be a possible replacement. So we'll see uh, how that all plays out later on in the week. Yeah. What, what do, you, do you feel that at this point we don't even need uh, the ultimate fighter, that the Dana White contender series is enough? Unfortunately, even though I'm a really big fan of Tough, I, I believe that the contender series is enough. I, I just I would love to see Tough go on the off season of the Contender Series. Like you do the Contender Series, then you do Tough, then you do the Contender Series, and you do Tough. I think that would work out. I mean, I I don't see why there isn't a world where they can all mesh and coexist. Yeah, and I really feel that if you want a good Tough, it's all about the choice the choice of the coaches. Oh, for sure, and I like I've that. been saying. You should, you need to have Usman against Colby. <laughs> yes, that, that is great. Yeah, you man. need that. Or if Ed Hardy keeps winning fights, him versus fucking the Black Beast, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Bring it on. I'm That's super excited. But as always, guys, you can listen to this episode and every single other one on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Speaker, Spotify, everywhere your heart contents and where you like to listen to your podcast at. We're probably on it. And if we're not on it, just let us know and we will fucking fix that. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. I run the Facebook. Wally Walt runs the Instagram. Communicate with either one of us on either one of those. Obviously, you know, me and Wally Walt talk 24-7 about shit. So we're constantly communicating back and forth about this. Uh, Thank you guys because without you guys, we would not be doing this. Uh, I know that we have a little legion of fans, and I truly appreciate that. 
let's keep this goddamn thing rolling and we'll try to keep growing this show as much as possible because we like doing it as much as you guys show up for us so we appreciate that yep we do but as always, if you guys want to check out any current MMA news, MMARecords.com is the place to go. That is where we are. That is technically the website that we're backed with. MMA Records Radio, of course, is its own standalone thing. And uh, I'm trying to create a goddamn whale in an ocean here. So let's make this motherfucker grow. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks yeah. again. And I uh, appreciate you guys listening to MMA Records Radio.